Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Impact the World, and I'm thrilled to be bringing to you the holistic psychologist, otherwise known as Dr. Nicole LaPera. I came across Nicole's Instagram page at the recommendation of a friend, and immediately she was somebody that I was just thrilled to see out there doing the work she's doing with the brilliance and the way that she is doing it. So if you're not familiar with her work, I think you'll enjoy this episode. Really what happened for Nicole was she was trained in clinical traditional psychotherapy, but she was finding limits. And she has worked over the years to pioneer new methods and ways and tools to empower us and to bring our mental, physical and spiritual health all under the microscope in equal focus. So enjoy this episode. And if you are a fan of the show and you enjoy what we produce every week, We would be delighted if you would leave us a review, rate, or subscribe over at Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Hi, before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that we are about to begin my flagship annual course, Rebirth. It begins on January 19th and runs through to the 29th. So you can join any time in that window. It's six live classes and I will be channeling my guides, the Z's, and leading you deeply into your work and your life here as a creator. We can't wait to get started and we'll put a full trailer at the end. But if you wanted to check it out, you can go to rebirth2021.com. We hope to see you there. Nicole, it is an absolute delight to have you on the show. So thank you for saying yes. It is truly an honor, Lee, to be here with you and connecting with your community here today. Well, I'm curious to see how many of our community already know you because you have a very sizable following and Instagram is where I first found you. And I've shared this with you personally, but it was my literary agent who I was having a chat with and we were talking about my next book and all that kind of stuff. And she said, have you seen The Holistic Psychologist? And I was like, no, I've not, I've not heard of The Holistic Psychologist. And she went, oh my God, she went, you would love her. She's amazing. I got, so I, I went and saw your Instagram page and just what hit me about your work was not just the clarity and the understanding and the depth that you bring and the very clear dedication to your mission. I mean, that's all over everything you do, which I always love seeing. It's the pioneering element I think, you know, I I got excited because I was like, oh, here's a pioneer. Here's a total pioneer in our field. And I think the work you're doing is so needed. And then it was hilarious that about three days afterwards, I happened to get an Instagram message from you. So it was a delight because I was like, oh, my God, brilliant. Now I can ask you to come on the show. So thanks. Of course, I'm, I'm truly honored hearing you even use that word, Lee, of pioneer. Um, your, your work has been known to me for quite some time, as has a lot of people's work, I think, outside of my more traditional field, which I think really encapsulates my own evolution as a human and obviously, you know, in the field of healing, if you will. Um, so I'm honored to, like I said, to be actually connecting now. 
Well, what I what I really love about what you do, because you know, if if the way I look at my own work and my own healing path, it has been very much spirituality and personal development and the marriage of those two. So the very metaphysical spirituality, especially of course being a channeler and that being a big part of my own teaching. But then I was a real personal development workshop junkie in my uh, in my late teens and early 20s. So what I recognize in your work is the traditional that you talk about, which is fantastic because traditional psychology has so much to offer us. And yet what I love is that you're bringing in from my perspective, the deeper emotional understanding that was often missing when I would go to traditional psychology 20 years ago, for me, as someone who felt a lot, had a lot to work out about my emotions and like how I would deal with them. And um, so I'm curious how you got started because I know that you traditionally went into clinical psychology at Cornell, is that right? Yeah, so I did my undergrad um, at Cornell in psychology, whatever the age is, probably around high school. Um, intuitively, when one is beginning to be asked, what are you going to be when you get older? Um, for me, coming really from a fascination with wanting or a desire, I should say, wanting to understand other people, you would have probably started to hear me use the word psychology and I want to be a psychologist. So I was one of those weirdos that entered my undergraduate degree already with my declared major because I did have my my eye on having that practice. And what my initial intention at least was, was to help others to become aware of themselves, obviously aimed at, I think, mapping onto your path, personal development, aimed at allowing them to create change in their life. And it was through extensive you know, clinical experiences working with individuals in all different populations and all different treatment settings, learning all different ways and tools to work with people, culminating, of course, in me finally opening up the private practice, you know, hanging my shingle, to be really disempowered, ultimately, if I'm speaking honestly, um, and really stuck right alongside of a lot of my clients. So my own pathway, as I think a lot of us, you know, uh, journey about in terms of first starting in self, originating with me trying to figure out why am I so stuck? Why am I unable to create and sustain change in my personal life, let alone why am I not able to help, you know, the clients that I'm, I'm being now paid to help really opened up a lot of doors, opened a lot of awarenesses, and I believe gave me a more complete understanding of why we're stuck and how we create change. And I think the complete understanding comes when in a way we go back to what psychology once was, where we did at one time believe in that spiritual entity, right? That indescribable psyche soul study of. Um, and I believe we also really got off track where we more or less deleted our physical body um, and all of the levels of dysregulation that I think a lot of us become trapped in. So again, my own path of self-healing, self-realization, I believe really informed me to now work what I call myself holistically, really honoring the wholeness, the physical, emotional, and spiritual um, aspects of this human experience. And obviously then harnessing that to truly help people create change. And so how did the kind of path out of the traditional practice into kind of pioneering your own stuff happen? Because I imagine that's also complicated because you have to be very careful when you're working in traditional models and you've got certifications. 
I know there are very strict rules around all of that stuff because I've got many friends who mm -hmm. are, you know, therapists plus very spiritually minded. So yeah, how, how, how did that journey take place for you to kind of start becoming who we know you as today and the work that you do today? There's two layers of, of definite complications um, that I've experienced and continue to experience. And there's the personal layer of just me um, and all of my internalized beliefs about the psychologist that I imagined myself I would be, about the way I would practice. I had a lot of my identity more or less wrapped into my old way of thinking about myself as a human and again, myself as a healer that shifted and changed. And then there was obviously the, the complicated journey of when I made the decision to go online, which was really influenced with two major intentions. The first was to begin to speak a new truth, um, which like I was going to say, had its layer of professional complications. How will it be to be out as a professional saying, you know, these new truths, speaking this, perhaps suggesting that we have that more incomplete knowledge um, and obviously urging and sharing some tools to develop a more complete understanding. It was also really motivated by a desire to connect with other humans a bit more truthfully or authentically. Um, so when I made that decision, um, for me, both personally and professionally, I had those challenges. I was a human who did not make a habit of speaking my truth um, for many different reasons in my personal life, in my personal relationship. So going online and even sharing about myself, as a lot of us in the field are taught not to do, was an exercise, you know, for me in, in standing in my more human authenticity amidst many viewing eyes. And then obviously, like I said, there was the professional side of things, you know, walking through, which was layers of challenge of questioning my own truth. And obviously then by proxy of putting the truth out there that other people can call into question. Yeah. It's so interesting hearing you say that because, you know, in about 2007, uh, I had a radio show with my then partner and um, it was called Invitation to Remember. And we were both channelers and emerging spiritual teachers. You know, we kind of just started uh, a few years earlier and we got a lot of kickback because we would speak about our human stuff, which to me was so important, like to bridge, okay, here's the higher self that channeling can bring you into and can open you into the overview. And then often you catalyze some human stuff for healing. And that's, yeah. that's how I was experiencing life. But we got a lot of kickback from uh, people in the then channeling community um, because you weren't supposed, they were like, just get out of the way and channel. I don't want to hear about you. And they were kind of missing the point of what, what we were trying to do was to show that when you're on a healing path and if you are putting energy and attention toward healing, for me, it was often so powerful to hear the stories of other people and to hear how they'd got through it. And so I've always found that I understand why in traditional psychology and for the boundary of that professional relationship, why that, that kind of is there. But at the same time, as someone who has many times experienced the power of our sharing with each other as being so healing and unifying, it, it is, it's an interesting rule that's there. I couldn't agree more. And I think often about what comes to mind is, is a puzzle piece, you know, analogy and really cultivating, because it is very difficult to stand in one's truth, though the value of that is having a multitude of puzzle pieces of different languages, of different ways that we just slightly tell possibly the same thing. You'll hear me often say, 
things I'm saying aren't new, right? I've read this before. I've understood it. I'm just a new channel. I'm saying it based on my own past experiences. And so puzzle pieces always come to mind, which is that that is the most beautiful, you know, collective experience we can have is when each of us feel safe enough to speak our truth through our channel, allowing those that resonate to sift through and pick the pieces that can better inform their own journeys to their own creation and self-expression. And then obviously to, to empower themselves to leave the aspects that don't. Yeah. It's funny being with you here, it, what I'm loving is the power of your mind because it's so evident. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at you, talking to you and you, it's just, you have this, it's really, really, it's really strong. And of course that makes total sense given your ability to distill structure and give us frameworks uh, around what could otherwise be complex and, and really boil it down for people. I'm curious because I, I know that anybody who has such a powerful energy in this part of their body also has a really strong or a potential to develop intuition. And you just mentioned the word channel. And I was curious, what's your experience when you're creating this work? Do you feel you go into a, 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 a very conduit state, even though I know you'll be drawing on some stuff that's perhaps more grounded or researched or I'm, I'm just curious about that for you being in your presence today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think so interestingly, um, I'm going to take what you said, you know, the power of the mind and talk about, I think, just quickly the flip side of it. Um, while I've always believed I've had a connection to my intuition, the way it speaks to me is in feelings, in a, in a knowing sense. That's, I believe, what sent me down the journey to be the psychologist. You know, I didn't know where, there wasn't a moment. I didn't even have it in my mind. I just kind of knew. And I've had many moments of that in my life. However, those up until I, you know, began my own healing journey were overshadowed by me spending time in my mind in an unhelpful way, mm -hmm. right? By the way, I think a lot of us are living in that monkey mind or are looking to solve problems or to find our path to touch those inner things. And we're going about it from up here. Um, so what I've now learned to harness is part of the part of the realization I came into in my own healing journey was how much of a disservice living in my mind while it had value in terms of my performance in school. It also allowed me to stay comfortably away from a lot of the deeper feelings that were too overwhelming for me at one time. I came to realize quite simply, I was dissociated. Now, understanding that and learning how to you know, be more embodied in a conscious way. Um, now, the way I understand you know, the channeling that I do is I enter very much so a flow state mm -hmm. where I'm fully, fully present. Um, and that's when a lot of the times I'll create the content um, for wherever it is I'm putting. So for me, what that feels like is pure intense presence. Um, and that's how I understand my version of this channeling. Yeah. So beautifully said. I think, I think, I think so many of us identify with that. I was just saying with a friend the other day, go the amount of time in my twenties, particularly my early twenties and late teens, the amount of mind looping I used to do to try and solve something or to try and get somewhere. And, you know, just, you know, it was perfect because it was who I was, it was where I was, and it was part of my journey. But um, yeah, I don't miss, <laughs> I don't miss that phase of life. Yeah. I'm curious for you, because you mentioned going out there online and making 
a conscious choice to go out there online and speak your truth and that that was a, a jump for you. How have you experienced what I would sometimes, I mean, I would call it the psychic energy of uh, being exposed to a large group of people through an online platform. Others might have a different, you know, different word for it. But for me, I'm always curious about that psychic energy for anybody who is exposing themselves to a large number of people. How has that been for you? And what were the adjustments you had to make to allow that relationship, because it is a relationship, into your life? Like, what have you noticed? Yeah, um, I, I think of it very much in similar terms in terms of psychic energy. I think the the patterns um, and that which I speak to, I think in my daily content is evidence language I use of, of the collective unconscious. Um, and that's why I, I believe the account has taken off because speaking in this more collective way to these collective truths, I mean, Lee, I, there's community members from, from all around the world. So that resonance I understood is the increasing numbers, people who are like, yes, you're speaking to me. And that me could be pretty much, you know, anywhere around the world. So the value, I used to be a clinical psychologist in a small practice in Philadelphia. So I had the people that came in and out of my office to study in this way. Now, right, I have the collective unconscious. So I empower myself and I use what I see or what I witness in terms of the patterns and in terms of teaching and in terms of distilling these tools. I use kind of collectively what I'm seeing in response from a kind of cognitive way, though diving down to more answer your question, energetically, it, it does take a toll, just like relationships outside of Instagram and our virtual worlds take a toll, obviously at scale with millions. I don't have millions of people in my personal life as friends. Yeah. This, you know, amplifies it. So I, I'm speaking this very intentionally for a reason, because what I've learned and I'm still learning is how to use boundaries or how to protect myself energetically um, when it does feel, begin to feel a bit overwhelming. So being really conscious about just things, you know, that I think a lot of us should be, you know, conscious about screen time, how much time am I spending online? What am I doing when I'm online? And for me, as someone who creates and puts out content, what is my relationship with everyone's opinions uh, about what I'm saying? Um, and in all of those areas, I'm still you know, finding my way through because on my human side of things, I'm someone who historically struggles with boundaries. So you know, understandably, learning how to actualize boundaries at this scale has been an ongoing conversation. So again, what that means for me is paying attention to how I'm affected and what energy I'm carrying away from these exchanges with the mass collective. And of course, you know, modifying or amending or taking care of myself, stepping away even at its extreme when I need to, just like I would do, or I practice doing in my personal relationships as well. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think everything you've said, you know, perhaps someone watching or listening uh, doesn't have a work page on social media, but a lot of people have personal pages. And I think the same rules apply because it's still so new to all of us, mm -hmm. unless you're very young right now, you know, we're all what, 10, 10 12 years into this mm -hmm. social media, massive amount of voices, massive amount of opinions and what it does to you as, 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 as we're in the infancy with this experience, it does really train you around 
boundaries and it also really reveals to you your wounds like I you know that's the thing I learned very early on the comments and this is like you know 2006 2007 the comments that would horrify me or would hurt me or would you know then I, I would have to go oh hang on a second oh why did that just go off in my ribs or my stomach or you know it took me a moment to figure that out but it's like oh okay and then also you know now I um I give myself permission to feel what I feel like um just a few weeks ago someone left a very not very nice comment and the comment what they said didn't bother me but I was very clear I was like that's I'm this person is not welcome in my in my world or in my universe because I would never behave that way to somebody so I think it exposes so much about our behavior as a collective and the kind of ease of sat behind a computer keyboard versus or would you say that to that person's face in that way so it's mm -hmm. this weird like truth telling and not very truthful telling as well we're in this it's going to be interesting to see where we're at in a decade or so after this whole era of social media mm -hmm. i couldn't agree more i think the anonymity of it i think the group think that can very you know quickly happen really limiting ourselves to only one belief system which then we become frenzied at at defending um, and you're right, this is incredibly new. We're not equipped um, with the endless stimulation that's available. And then obviously with all of the complications, I think this very unique year um, where a lot of us are spending more and more now time online because our jobs exist virtually because we're home all of the time. I think again, this just, you know, it, it continues, right? This cycle of our wounds are going to be projected on the internet and the way we cope with those wounds, the internet becomes another tool um, for good and bad, quote unquote, yeah. even though I don't love using those distinguishing, you know, adjectives. No, but I, I know what you mean. I kind of feel the same way. Someone was saying that the other day, they were, oh, well, the internet's just bad. And I was like, God, and I literally walked them through like six things about the internet that had yeah. changed their life. And I'm like, I said it, like everything, it's complicated. And it's, it's how you feel that day. It's where your focus is. It's whether or not you're annoyed at something you've just seen or whether or not something's just helped you, you know? So yeah, like anything, mixed bag. The reason I'm glad that we're talking about this is I actually um, pulled something up from your Instagram page. Now we're recording this kind of near the end of November in 2020. And I know it won't come out until early 2021, but um, a couple of weeks ago, um, in the middle of all the US election kind of hysteria and craziness that we were seeing flying around, you posted something to your community. And I'm just going to read um, what you wrote, if, if that's okay, because I'd love us to talk about it. I thought it was fascinating and very well written. To the self-healers community, self-healers is, is one of your hashtags. It's one of your things. We'll talk about that more later. It's clear there are accounts dedicated to creating false narratives around my personal beliefs and affiliations. The past few days, the online harassment has been incredibly intense due to this. I've gotten threats and some of the most abusive messages I've ever received for beliefs I don't even have and never have had. I'm not in QAnon. I am not alt-right. I am not for white supremacy or tolerant of it in any way. It's incredibly painful to watch people create stories about things I do not believe and would never support, then state them as if they're my truths. I might have a large following, but I am a human being. I am here for this community to provide free daily tools for healing. There are many very unhealthy trauma-based dynamics that play out via social media, 
and my focus is on the beautiful people in this community dedicated to this work. It will remain there. We are all in desperate need of collective healing. And you know, I I don't, I'm not someone who goes on Instagram every day. I don't scroll every day, but you know, I'll, about once a week I'll check in or, or you know, the newsfeed throws something up. And because I follow your page, I saw that and I was uh, two things. I mean, I felt for you because I I also, you know, could could I thought, well, that could be me. So I had empathy for sympathy, all of those things, but I also thought you you said something that really needs to be said, not just on your page, but in general, like that awareness, because I feel like the unconscious that gets thrown around. Um, it's interesting you said earlier, I, I work with the unconscious because it is the unconscious that often is driving those attack or those judgmental comments. And I think we as a world need to get better, whether it's on our work pages or our personal pages or in a conversation with grandma at dinner, you know? just getting better about saying no and holding up a mirror when people are thinking they can just fling arrows at each other. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that for a very long time, you said something that really resonates with me, which is, you know, call it my superpower, call it the thorn in my side. But for as long as I can remember, I really had the ability to empathize and to hold compassion, to understand that even when I was, you know, hurt by someone, something, as I found myself, as a lot of us do, you know, as we grow, as we age, as we relate to others, I always had an uncanny ability to put myself right in their position or to imagine what might be driving something that hurt me, that behavior, but from a deeper place. And why I said that it's my superpower and the thorn in my side, because for a very long time, I would allow that to, or I would allow myself to okay a lot of behaviors um, and didn't have, you know, boundaries that protected my energy. I would essentially simply explain away um, and just continue to empathize and show up holding space for what I now imagined was a very hurt human. So I have, I still retain that. And in those moments, I can see even in the, the most vile comments that I, I have had, you know, sent to me, emailed to me, all of the things to my team, to my loved ones, right? Separate, hold space. The way I understand that is here's someone hurting, here's their wound, their unconscious being, right, projected onto me. What I've had to get a little bit, you know, more um, tight around is that might be the case and I can still show up in protection of my energy and of my space. So again, that's what I was referencing earlier in terms of how do I show up? I have an uncanny ability to tolerate, if you will, misunderstandings. You can have your belief about me out there and I can stay over here. I need to continue to hone that protective space um, where again, it doesn't infringe. And what started to happen that prompted that is the community started to really feel under attack um, in really very negative ways, which is what prompted me to speak on. And I'm happy that you were viewing it as, and I watched a lot of other creators since begin to make similar statements um, because I think a lot of us are, you know, becoming that projection object in a way that is really damaging. And I can speak for myself, the dysregulation that, you know, I would fall into, even though I was understanding was very, very real, um, you know, emotionally, energetically, my physical body, even, I mean, I had to cancel our, a previous podcast reporting because I was physically, I hurt my back. I mean, I understand this again as an accumulation of that energy that, that I was containing and it was too much. Yeah. 
so interesting because you know I think I think for me it always boils down to war, the energy of war on our planet that has been perpetuated for so long, and uh, you know that there is there is that kind of energy of war on social media. You know your friend says a snippy comment on your personal page about something and you're like, oh, you know, and it, it, it's like these little, these little energetic arrows flying around. And, and I do, I do think we've got a bit of a reckoning time at the moment, you know, years and years ago as a channeler, I've shared this m multiple times. I remember my guide saying to me in about 2007, 2008, they said, you wait, you'll see this world's going to become a lot more emotional in about a decade especially and beyond you're going to see this world becoming a lot more emotional and Pollyanna me was like oh how lovely that's going to be so nice everyone's going to be hugging you know interpret how you want to but I so resonate with everything you said you know I have a course called empaths versus narcissists a power dynamic and how to recover from it because it's one of the specialist areas I kind of ended up working in by accident, but also not by accident, because they were the life lessons I'd been through many times. And that ability to hold compassion for someone as a human is a beautiful thing. But when we're letting them batter us in the face with their behavior over and over again, because we're still holding compassion for their wounds, we're not recognizing that by holding compassion for their wounds and tolerating their behavior, we are creating new wounds in ourselves that they are just cycling through into us that we then have to recover from. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I mean, it's one of the most important lessons. If you truly want to be open in this world, you have to know what your own personal boundaries need to be. Yeah, I go as far even to say, if you truly want to be authentic as well, you have to know where your space ends, where your limit ends. You have to be in a space where your needs are getting met so that you can then receptively and authentically show up for others and the world. I mean, the title, Impact the World. I mean, we all, I think, desperately want to do that, um, whether it's not it's just connecting more fully with someone else and or having a sense of making you know, an impact beyond that. Though again, I think we're, we're not able to. Um, because again, we're not safe enough in our own authenticity to then bring it to others or to the world. Yeah. And I hear you. I mean, I think, I think all of us are learning constantly how to become more authentically who we are today, but I also have never seen such a time collectively. I mean, 2020 is, 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 is a year for the record books. And yet at the same time, um, I know I've heard some other people say that, so I'm just parroting, but actually for me, this is like the beginning. It's like, this is the beginning of the major decade of transformation. And, and you're, seeing, you're seeing just this very unsettled, reactive energy in those who don't have the tools or don't have the awareness or don't have enough kind of love, support, compassion in their life that they aren't just vomiting their own wounds out in response. So it's kind of why work like yours is so powerful and needed, which leads me to your book, which I'm so happy for you. Um, you did a post the other day um, sharing a photo of you holding the galley copy of your book, and it's called How to Do the Work, and it will come out in March of 2021. So if you're watching or listening now, you can already go and pre-order. Um, it's already getting a lot of pre-orders, and we're going to put a link not only to um, Nicole's website, but also the pre-order page so that you can easily find it. But you wrote underneath this photo, 
blood, sweat, tears, and soul went into this book? I'll bet it did. So tell us a little bit about the blood, sweat, tears, and soul and about the book itself. Absolutely. I mean, if you would have asked me a decade ago, you know, if I imagined myself to have a book, to be an author, the, that wasn't even necessarily on my radar. So a lot of this process is, is really surreal. Um, there came a part, you know, in my journey and as I began making sense of, you know, what I believe is the more, you know, unified idea of holistic wellness um, that the book obviously outlines showing up day in and day out on Instagram, putting it together. At some point I came to realize that great tool, love it. It allows me to equalize access to some of these ideas, to some of these concepts, to some of these tools, again, to people who might not otherwise have access. However, it's limited by the square, the caption, and, you know, kind of what we can do with that. So somewhere along the way, the book, you know, then became, became for me, this idea of the full, you know, and a lot of us who, who like, the idea of a comprehensive workbook to live with. So that kind of birth as an idea and the gift and the opportunity to be able to put this down and to, to have this book out in the world and the foreseeable future is everything to me. Um, what I hope it provides people, like I said, is an understanding um, in the very simplified way that you know I speak, that I conceptualize this. I think that's helpful for a lot of us, like I said, most of these topics have been spoken before. Um, I think a lot of times a disservice that has been done is they were not really translated into practical. Well, okay, that's a great idea. And this happens, I think, a lot too in, in the spiritual realm and this esoteric way of thinking. Oh, these are great concepts, right? What does consciousness mean in real life? What does ego mean in real life, right? So the book, I hope, offers what these concepts mean in your real life, giving you an idea, like I said earlier, of all of the ways that we're stuck living again in that repetition of our past. And then obviously opening the door to begin to create a future that's different. So to that end, I found it to be really important that in the book we talk conceptually and then at the end of each chapter, there's some exercises, there's some journal prompts, there's translating these ideas into action. And I think a lot of us, and this might be one of the more frustrating places to be, those of us that have these ideas and we can't yet actualize them into change. So having both in this book, like I said, I hope this to be almost a handbook of sorts that people live with, revisit at different times because the work changes. You said something earlier that I think is really important. We change, right? We are ever changing. That I think might be one of the most difficult truths um, to embrace as human, the impermanence, the ever evolving nature of us. Though that's why my work, I believe, is about empowering the self. Yeah, I talk about tools. I talk about how to show up differently and create change through conscious actions every day. What we're really talking about, in my opinion, is empowering ourselves to continue to walk into the unknown future of tomorrow that hopefully is different than what 2020 was for us. However, with the confidence that I could continue to navigate life as it continues to evolve in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. And it absolutely will be a handbook for people. I have no, I, I, as soon as I saw the cover and heard you doing it, I was like, oh, that's going to be such an important book of the next decade. So well done. And how was it to write the book? Because having put a book together and written written a book and also having spoken to other author friends 
what surprised you about the the book process? <laughs> well, here comes the sweat tears and numerous breakdowns of it all. Um, so in general, uh, the process for me felt really kind of pressure cookered. We worked on a very quick timeline so that we could get the book. It's important for me for the book to live in the world. Yeah. I didn't know how long it took to get a book from an idea to creation. So that was just very logistically surprising in terms yes. of, oh, wow, you know, the psychological difficulty of it is it is challenging in a lot of ways. It challenged, you know, ideas about myself, myself as a writer, as a communicator, even the, the exercise of retelling and thinking about my story and my healing journey, both my past and my future, you know, brought up a lot emotionally, even now reading the book. Um, I just am getting finally out of all of the edit stages, which means that I'm rereading the book and my work. And that is everything from challenging to my ego. And I don't like how it works. And I can't figure out how to word this sentence to unearthing those wounds to reading about, you know, that story of me as a child. And I think as a lot of us do, you know, as that comes to mind, then we have that layer of healing as well. So there's been a lot of, of the book um, in my personal life and, you know, the book bringing up a lot of just my daily conversations that I have with myself and healing and a lot of new challenges, part of my wounding probably very surprising to hear as someone who has an account with 3 million followers, as much as I desperately want to be seen, there's a very little scared girl inside of me that desperately wants to hide. So the book represents that as well. Now knowing that this book is going to go out into the world, quite literally around the world with my name on it is thrilling and incredibly fearful, scary. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I was just saying this, Stephen and I my husband, we were out somewhere yesterday and he said something to me and I said something to him. I said, well, that's because I like being invisible. And I've always been somebody who, when I'm out in the outside world, I like being invisible and I think I'm more invisible than I am. And I, I don't even mean because of the work I do. I just mean in general, like I think some part of my brain thinks I'm actually invisible out there. Um, and yet it's ironic to me too. I'm like, oh, here I am really happy to get to serve the community I serve and, and know that the, the work that I feel compelled to do might be helping them. I mean, that's to me just such a win-win. It's brilliant. So it's, it's a funny thing. We're funny human creatures. Um, one thing I want to say to you that, that my good friend Scott Stabile helped me out the week that my book came out, which was last year in March. I spoke to him about three days before it did. And you know, you have to, you do lots of interviews that get booked for you by the publisher. And so you're sick of talking about yourself and your story and you're, you know, you're like, you're really over it by the time you get to that <laughs> point. And I remember feeling really weird, like days before the book came out and I've released stuff publicly for 15 years. And uh, he went, oh yeah, yeah. He said, I went a bit mad when my book came out and I was like, huh? And it was just the one sentence I needed. It was like a permission slip. I Stop wondering that. what that, I was like, oh, you go a bit mad when your book, oh, okay, fine. Not that, that now I, you know, I can go home, go, Stephen, I'm a bit mad at the moment. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, good. Was, you know, it was like I could relax. So brace yourself in March, just, just in case, but I'm sure. Well, I'm I sure appreciate that because you have all this preparation. You think like, okay, I must be over it. I'll be really grounded and stable. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking of where will I be? Maybe I should book a little respite yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or I could just go good. crazy on my own and then it might be come good. back into the world. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Well, and also you, you named this, I think I'm, I'm 
probably not unlike you, I'm a fast creator, like especially at this age and having done what I've done for 16 years, it's I have the muscle now and I, you know, I flow and, and that's how I keep producing. But I'm so used to things being quick. So, you know, when you're talking about a book and it's like, yeah, we can release this in 18 months. And you're like, huh? You know, you're talking to the public. Well, why does it take 18 months? You know, you, it's, it's trippy. It's like uh, this whole paradigm of time has taken place from beginning to ending. Yeah. So it's that's surreal too. So Nicole, I love that you have, you have something called the Self Healers Circle. And um, reading from your website, you say it's a private self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation. And this was the line I loved. We are a community that thrives on the mindset that you are your own best healer. So Tell us a little bit about the Self Healer's Circle and what that entails and when you set it up. The Self Healer's Circle really began as most of my creations do as an idea grounded in what I wanted, what I wished I had. So as part of a healing journey, I'll speak just from my own experience, so I know it, it resonates with a lot of others. You know, as we become more, step into our authenticity more, oftentimes, the relationships, especially the older ones around us, begin to shift and change. And so I, in the process of my own healing journey, you know, began to feel, you know, now much more naturally disconnected from people. And I felt the urge to, you know, the way I would language is find people who got it, who were speaking my language, who were on the same journey that I was on. And so, like I said, one of the main motivators to create the account was to find that community. And then as the numbers began to skyrocket, and like I said earlier, I was began to get that indication of how universally resonating this work was and therefore need it. This work was in the comments, in the messages, people would reflect that loneliness, that searching for others right back at me. So then it became, you know, well, I will always be a presence. Well, as long as Instagram is still here, I in terms of the free platform. I think it's really important to have these um, tools out there. Even my future self journal, you know, resisting public publishers approaching me, wanting me to, you know, to print it for, for, for income. And I want and that's something that you offer free on your website, by the way. That is free. That is a, yep. That is a free journal. I actually just, a future self journal, anyone who's interested can sign up for the email list and that will get delivered to their inbox. I say all that to say having the accessibility of the platform is always going to be part of my work because I I value that. And I think it's incredibly important. Same. The healer circle um, really was for those. And a lot of people would begin to express interest to wanting to dive a little deeper to begin to action on the work a bit more and understanding that we are social creatures. We need others. We need relationships. And a lot of us are searching for those more authentic, connected relationships. So intuitively it became, well, let me offer something um, in terms of that. So the self-healer circle was an idea that obviously then putting the systems in place and getting the team in place and figuring out how to translate that into the virtual community was my brainchild, my project. And when we were able to open enrollment for the first group last um, November, it was incredibly amazing time. And, and again, it's, it's an incredible environment. Um, a lot of healers, again, from around the world are in there each month 
we cover a topic in healing. So there's a whole virtual library of different resources. And I think most importantly, um, there's the humans, the humans that are walking the same journey, the relationships that I'm watching, you know, in the comment section, in our new portal where we can interact with each other, you know, the relationships that are forming, um, I think are really impactful for a lot of people in their healing journey. You know, for me, one of the payoffs. So I think I first started running uh, live workshops. It was 2006, so 14 years ago. So I've done a lot of workshops in various places all over the world in that time. And one of the payoffs for me about running a live event is if I get like a moment where I'm not, you know, the focal point and I get to just observe people talking to each other or at lunch, like it's just heaven to me. Like, especially when we do week long retreats, like I, you, you, you just get this glow inside that you know that they came for something that you put on and that, you know, that, that might have been what attracted them. But when you watch the relationships and I feel the same way online, like one of my favorite things when we, we run any courses or we have the portal community, um, just watching the relationships that form, but the way that people help each other, even if they don't know that, you know, not always in a heavy way either, like they'll share something funny and a whole group of them will kind of try and it'll make me laugh. And I mean, that, that really is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I have chills just, just thinking about that and something that is really important to me. And I hope when, you know, the quarantine lifts and, and it's a bit safer for us to, you know, have it public in-person events, something that I started doing that I would like to continue to be able to do is offer free events, free meditations. And similarly, I offered one here um, before I even lived here on the beach in Venice. That's now a couple blocks away, which is mind blowing to me and in Brooklyn. And I would do the same thing, like watching. I actually made it a point to urge, hey, you know, you're all here for this meditation, though. There's people you can relate to, you know, talk amongst yourselves and that for me lights me up um, because there's that little lonely girl inside of me that too is desperate to be seen and to be authentically in my connected to others in my relationship. So I have that with many community members. Um, many are now part of the team here at the holistic yeah. psychologist that, you know, began with those connections, those souls speaking to each other and knowing that alignment was there. And I, I take no same happiness um, in seeing and in fostering that. And like I said, that's always going to be part of um, what this is for me. The tool of online opens up, the breaks down the barriers of access. Um, and I, I believe and I know that we heal in community and hearing all of the amazing communities now that are, I think of it like a virtual city where we all have our little yeah. neighborhoods, you know, That's and you true. go neighborhood to neighborhood. I'm like, have this whole visual of kind of what this is evolving into um, in, a, in a really helpful way. Yeah, totally. So we've talked a lot about your work and the things that you're doing and your journey around that on a day where you're like, okay, I'm. I haven't got the juice today. I'm not creating, I'm not producing. Um, what do you do for either reset or relaxation or joy? Like when you know you need to unplug from what you do in the world, what is it that kind of lights you up? What, what fills you back up when you feel like you need to fill yourself up? Well, I will answer this question first by stating that it's very difficult for me to settle in those days. I have that part of me that, you know, has trained myself to produce that mm -hmm. has all of these meanings about what it means when I decide, or I need to take time off. 
Um, so I'm gonna answer this question by saying, it's not easy. I have that endless narrative. Um, I proclaimed to my partner, Lolly recently uh, that I really struggle to let myself rest. Um, so I even started to pay attention to the language I'm using in my head in these moments. So I'm gonna answer the question by saying, not easily, though I'm aware of you know, my go, go, go mentality. Um, so when I'm able to stop myself, you will find me finding joy and connections typically in nature. I live three blocks from the beach now. That could be a walk to the ocean, right? And just being present to what is happening there. It could be in nature on a hike. Um, so nature for me really, and that living very dissociatively for so long, nature was always my respite. Um, so knowing for some reason, the chaos of my mind when I was in nature, it just allowed me to be a little more grounded. And now, of course, practicing, understanding how to navigate that chaos, being a little more grounded, having a slightly more quiet mind, I'm able to access that now more regularly. Um, so once I get past my constant go, go, go inner narrative that's telling me all the reasons why I can't rest, um, I do try to embody and obviously go out and just just be wherever yeah. that is. Mm, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I, I definitely identify with several things you said. And it kind of took me back a few years. I remember it was a few years ago that I realized it was hard for me to stop, particularly with work, because I kind of, you know, wired what I do into my body so successfully in the last 16 years. Um, and it was a process for me, but one of the things that I realized is I like short periods of rest. And I was getting it all confused in my head thinking, why am I not enjoying this one week vacation that I'm supposed to be enjoying? And people are like, oh yeah, I just sit by the beach. And you know, and I enjoyed that for like an hour. And I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it for two hours if I was with somebody and I was connecting with them. But what I learned about myself was actually I'm, I am a worker bee and that's my design. But if I pepper that with regular moments of rest or change, and they, they can be very short, but they have to be conscious. So I have to go, oh, stop and be with the cats because I adore our cats. I adore cats in general. And so that, you know, then I was like, oh, now I'm okay. And, and actually, weirdly, I feel like I'm more productive now than I ever was when I used to like crash and burn and, you know, learn those hard burnout lessons when you aren't stopping and taking care of yourself. So even though you were sharing your own personal experience, I, I could hear a thousand ears watching this show kind of identifying. And I, I think that's kind of a society disease. You know, we don't, we, we haven't really woven self-care into our society and equally recognize self-care is going to be very different for all of us, not only based on who we are in our design and our energy and our our circumstances, but also, like we said earlier, we're changing all the time. Like we're constantly changing and so is the world. So you have to kind of keep moving with what's self-care to me now, what's rest to me now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I've even learned, I used to have this idea that to rest, I needed to stop completely. And now I understand that to remain balanced in rest, my rest day more or less starts the same. I still do my morning routine. I'm still journaling. I'm still moving my body. I like you, I feel like I have a higher energy. I'm a busy body. I'm never going to be vacationing for a week down and out. So even on vacation, I've had a reframe that my day-to-day -day lifestyle choices I now make 
to keep me balanced in my center aren't work. I've now had a relanguage that vacation doesn't mean for me, or I don't function my, at my best by stopping everything completely. So what I say that to say is I have had to learn that my rest days even still look a little different. I still am doing something for my energy typically so that I can remain balanced for myself. Mm, so, so, so relate. And I, I'm, I'm sure so many people do. So as a kind of wrap up question for our conversation today, 2020, the year that I think everybody has talked about, discussed, could you share with us two things that 2020 gave you? Maybe one of them that you recognize was a gift that you willingly received, and maybe one of them was a little more something you had to come, come through as a, in the form of a challenge. So what, what 2020 challenge and what 2020 gift comes to mind right now as, as we're here at the end of November? Yeah. So I think the challenge, you know, just reiterating as, you know, the climate online shifts and change and reacts to everything that's happening in the collective, um, the continued challenge, I think that 2020 exacerbated and will continue is again, how do I navigate my presence in that virtual world? How do I protect myself? How do I keep you know, my boundaries in a way that keeps me in alignment, that keeps me energetically in alignment so that I can continue to show up and, and to do the work? I think the gift of 2020 um, that I see for myself and possibly a lot of other people is moving right that that sphere of empowerment right or that reliance on my external life or decisions outside of myself and beginning to bring it more internal so what i mean when i say that is the huge pattern interrupt right that 2020 has been in in, in many degrees for all of us right has challenged our autopilot, that status quo, the way we were operating that for a lot of us, right, allowed us to sidestep and to avoid or to manage our, maybe our discomfort or our, you know, our wounding. And when that was ripped away, um, again, I think it was that pattern interrupt, throwing us all into this new unfamiliar that's challenging for each of us. However, it also stripped away for a lot of us, those external things, to a lot of our challenge, you know, feeling lonely, feeling disconnected, however, required us in a sense to adapt, to find a new way of being or a new way of getting those needs met. And so the way I think about that, right, is beginning to empower the self that we are incredibly adaptive creatures um, in a way that I believe for some will, will impact a future that's now different, right? It's kind of not allowed us to do the same old things um, that again, while for many, it's walking through the difficulty of doing new things. However, it's that personal empowerment. How can I find some space? How can I find some clarity? How can I find a little breathing room for myself? And in my opinion, every time we have that conversation, that's again, what I believe this work is about. Um, so I think the gift of it is maybe re removing those external reliances, necessitating that kind of internal adaptation toward empowerment. That again, will be a lifelong journey for many of us. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. 
Well, Nicole, you've put a smile on my heart today, having this lovely conversation with you. So thank you. And, you know, there are certain people, there are certain people that just make me happy that they're out there doing their thing and you're one of those people. And it, it kind of, you know, it kind of feels like, oh, great. I'm so glad Nicole's over there doing that so amazingly and affecting so many people. So thank you for impacting the world the way that you do. And thank you for being here today. Of course, and I send those that gratitude really wholeheartedly right back to you, Lee. It makes, again, feel less alone, feel a little less crazy knowing there's other humans in the world that are walking the same journey. So thank you. Yeah, and I look forward to being in person when everything yeah. everything calms. I'm not even going to say calms down. No, no, I'm not <laughs> going to use those words at some point soon. <laughs> so, um, for anybody who wants to connect more with Nicole's work, I would highly recommend her Instagram page, which is the Holistic Psychologist on Instagram. So many helpful tips and tools and videos and charts and ways of looking at, at your energy, your emotions, your mind. It very powerful, very restructuring, very laser focused. And you can find Nicole's work and where she mentioned her future self journal on her website, which is yourholisticpsychologist.com. And as usual, we will put all the links in the show notes. So whether you're listening on Apple or watching on YouTube, check out the links below the video or the audio, where we will also share a link to the pre-order page for Nicole's forthcoming book, How to Do the Work. So thank you as ever for tuning in. To impact the world. Thank you so much for being with us, Nicole. And uh, lots of love, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Rebirth has been an annual transformation program that I and my team offer every January for the last four years. This year, Rebirth 2021 will be quite different to prior years because 2020 was very different to prior years in general as a whole for all of us. So a couple of things came to me for Rebirth 2021. I wanted to deliver all of the modules live. Prior years, we have done a lot of pre-recorded material, but this year, everything will be delivered live and then there will be full replays available within 24 hours of the live broadcast. My guides, the Zs, are going to be a huge part of this year's rebirth. We held transmissions in August and it was an incredible experience and it was allowing my guides to bring through the next level of information. And one of the themes that they have talked about for 2021 and beyond is us becoming more creators of our lives. They're talking about how we create our lives every day through our energy and also how we can take different actions to animate our sense of purpose, our sense of connection to life, but also the life and the world that we're creating right now and how important that is in the years to come. So Rebirth 2021 will have that focus as its main theme next level creation. And then across each broadcast, we're going to look at creating from a metaphysical and a grounded standpoint. Stephen Washington will again be bringing his work to Rebirth. So there will be a module called Activating Your Creative Body. And as soon as you sign up, you will receive the channeled audio MP3 and sound healing, which is called Creating Through Chaos and Being Here for Love. 
We can't wait to get started with you. The program begins on January 19th and you will have lifetime access to the material once we have finished on January 29th. So if you're looking for a rebirth or to up-level your way of creating in your life, we would love to have you join us for Rebirth 2021. You can visit rebirth2021.com or my website leeharrisenergy.com for all the details.